I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Everything for me on the surface was fine, and everything for a lot of the men I ended up talking to was fine as well. But that was really the problem. It was fine. We were kind of just muddling through. And if you look at the statistics, it's very specifically from the age of 45 to 49. There's this huge spike in stress, anxiety, depression and suicide. There wasn't any time to consider how I was feeling, which sounds really selfish but actually if you're not sorting your own issues out then you're causing problems for other people why when everything on the surface is fine the good job the happy family the nice house do swathes of middle-aged men struggle and suffer in silence and is this inevitable You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. Manveen is enjoying a hiking weekend on the Pennine Way, so you've got me instead. I'm Luke Jones from Times Radio Breakfast. Today, midlife crisis. What midlife crisis? I'm Matt Rudd, a writer and editor at The Sunday Times... I am the author of Man Down, Why Men Aren't Happy and What We Can Do About It. I want you to describe for me, this might sound stupid, but the experience of insomnia and what that actually feels like. Have you not? No, have you not. Let's start with you. Yeah. How old are you? 27. 27. You're 27. You're like full of the joys of life all the possibilities that lie ahead, by the end of this, you're going to be thoroughly depressed. I was an insomniac when I was very young Mm. um, because I was worried about waking up for my paper round on time. That's how young it started. Mm. And then it kind of rumbled on. But when you have kids, and I have three, insomnia is no longer an option. You sleep when you can because you're completely exhausted and that's great. Mm. But then I got to this point early in my 40s where I'd the immediacy of parenting had passed. The kids could wipe their own bums and do up their own car seatbelts. And so all of a sudden I just started waking up at 3.20am every day. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but I promise you it's exactly 3.20 every morning. 
And then what happens, you've got about a minute to go back to sleep before your brain kicks in and starts doing its catastrophizing midlife what if horror story. And if you don't get back to sleep, then you're awake for a while. And at the start of the book, you describe this coming back, as you say, in, in your mid-40s. What was the catastrophizing that you were doing at that point? So for me, it was just worrying about what ifs. What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay the mortgage? What if I can't feed the kids? And this rumbles on. There's nothing you can do about it in the middle of the night. Mm. There's actually, I've learned as I've spent more time looking into this, very little point in trying to think up the, the worst case scenarios for everything because you know that's just life you may as well get on to it yeah. get on with it until something actually happens but at that stage i could lie there going around in you know should i get should i get mortgage insurance because then if i lose my job and can't pay the mortgage i'll have insurance but then what if i get the insurance and that extra cost tips me over the edge so i lose the house anyway if you've got time to think which you do for the first time, I think, in your life. As I say, you've from the very first time you go to school, it's all about passing tests, passing exams, yeah. getting on the career ladder, getting on the property ladder, finding the one, uh, having kids. It's this constant rushing forward. And then you reach this point where you kind of passed all those tests. You've got a minute to think and an hour long conversation with a broadband provider can tip you over the edge. Did it tip you over the edge? Well, it tipped me into starting to talk to other men. That was my response. I probably should have gone out and bought a sports car or had an affair or bought some Lycra. But I started talking to other men who I thought, well, they've got it together. They're successful. How are they managing to have it all so down? And then when I started talking to them, it quickly became clear that beneath the sort of I'm fine first pint, they were also really struggling. The first few were friends. Imagine it's quite intimidating to approach male friends and say, I want to talk to you about happiness. I did exactly that, actually. And it did was... Did they not run out of the room? It, well, they couldn't because I'd nailed them down. Oh, I see. Yeah, you've got to use, you've got to use padlocks in this situation. <laughs> That's the big cliche is that men do not talk about stuff like emotions and happiness. And I found it very difficult to sit down and say, I need to talk to you about how I'm feeling and then can we talk about how you're feeling. For the first bit, there's banter. Mm. And then actually, you can very quickly end up having a serious conversation. I just want to nail down a bit more what your situation was. Had you diagnosed yourself as being unhappy? I was concerned these were supposed to be the best years of my life. I'd done all of the things that I was expected to do. And I was concerned that it wasn't so much the not sleeping, but just worrying about things that may never happen. Mm. Also, I felt that between trying to balance work and home and affect this perfect work-life balance... And did you seek professional help with it? The short answer is no, I didn't seek help. I probably should have done. It would have saved me writing an entire book and then having to talk to people (laughs) about it on podcasts. There's a stigma around therapy, especially at that time. What then led you to write columns about it? We were having an ideas meeting on the Sunday Times magazine and we'd run a lot of features about how working women were struggling. It Mm. was kind of a backlash to all those 
super successful captains of industry who were writing a book about how they had eight kids and they were running a company and everything was great. And then I put my hand up like a typical man and said, I'm not 100% sure all men who are working and trying to raise families are having a brilliant time either. My editor at the time, a woman, said, well, write that. And I kind of hid that I was feeling like one of those blokes. In the piece? Yeah. I went off and interviewed lots of men and they were struggling. It resulted in a piece, the headline was, why are middle-aged successful men unhappy? Mm. I was really worried about the response. I was expecting there to be a backlash because, you know, on the surface, this, this is a system designed by men for men. Mm. So what have we got to complain about? But the response was incredible. A lot of male readers opened up and said they were unhappy and more women than men wrote in mm. to say, that is my partner, that is my husband. You tried your friends, you padlocked them, you yes. baited them with pints. <laughs> Where did you go then? I then went much further. I spoke to as many men of different jobs and different stages, focusing initially on midlife. I then went younger and spoke to people your age. Because it occurred to me, there felt like there was a kind of inevitability to this, that you go through all the first half of your life, you hit midlife, and then there's this big spike in all the things you don't really want. Were you surprised by anything that you found in, in, in talking to either men of your own age or, or, or younger men? I, I was really surprised that they, were, they weren't doing OK. Yeah. These were people who... Some of them were, you know, they had the 2.4 children, the big house, the large salary, everything, you know, holidays all the time, all those things, the dream. The more stuff they had, this is a hugely crude oversimplification, but the more stuff they had, the more stressed they were about potentially losing it. Tell me about a person in particular. Was there anyone who sort of sticks out for you as being either particularly similar to you or was going through something different but but similar well, shades one of the first conversations i had was with a guy who admitted that he had just been diagnosed i won't go into the details but he had a stress related very serious medical condition mm. he was very successful plenty of savings massive mortgage all the usual stuff that you have in midlife and his response to finding out that there was this very serious thing hanging over him was to plough on. And so we had this a heart-to-heart, -heart, I'd say, where he said, this has happened. I responded by going, blimey, you, you don't like your job, you hate getting on the train five days a week. Presumably this is your wake-up call, you're going to chuckle that in and enjoy whatever the, your passion, go hot air ballooning or skydiving or whatever it is people do on their bucket lists. And he, he said, no, I'm just going to keep going because it's easier for me to just wake up and get on the train every morning than have a serious think about what I can do with my life. And that wasn't surprising, that was shocking.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have you, with this, fully disproved the stereotypical midlife crisis, the go hot air ballooning, the have an affair, buy a Ferrari? Were there any people actually doing that? Well, there are people doing that, but I think that gets a lot more airtime than the vast majority of people who are trying to muddle through. And I think there's a particular male inclination on realising that something's wrong. You decide you're going to do something, which is why you have the whole middle-aged men in lycra. So a man decides, right, I'm not fit, I need to get fit, and goes and buys an entire bike shop of kits, gets all the Fitbits and the maps, mappings of my runs, all of that, and heads off and does it. Someone did actually suggest to a reader who, who opened up about how they were struggling that they take up skydiving. And they're trying to be helpful. I'm not sure skydiving is the answer. It's more doing. It's more like ploughing on with life. Yeah. And although it might, it, it, it will take your mind off things while you're doing it, you're still going to be, in my case, waking up at 3.20 in the morning and worrying about the blimming mortgage. What's the link with parenting in your situation or in any of the men that you spoke to? As I say, I've got three boys, so it felt when I started like it was too late for me, but maybe I can do some better parenting. And I felt also that it was already too late for my 14-year-old. He's doing his GCSEs Did you tell him that? And Yeah, I did, of course, of course. (laughs) Son, it's too late for you. (laughs) Sorry, mate. Even having spent two years researching all this and tracing men's reluctance to talk, to do any emotional work, even though I trace that right back to being stoic and strong, the full Rudyard Kipling, Mm. having traced all that back and looked at my own schooling in particular, then, for example, when my youngest fell over and scraped his knee and was crying, I was still a little bit embarrassed for it. You know, I was like, little voice in my head going, come on, man up, it's only a little scrape. I mean, he should have manned up, it was only a little scrape. (laughs) But, But, you know, it's... We are this generation that's kind of straddling 
the very old-fashioned patriarchal way of raising kids with the new hands-on thing, and we're in between all of that, there's still in so many different ways boys are told to be strong and get on with it. The pressures which keep you awake at night in your 40s are the seeds of that being sown with a 7-year-old, with a 14-year-old? On a very simple level, we attach a lot to success and status and that starts with gold stars and then it's life or death your exam results and then it it goes on and on we very closely associate our happiness with our status you obviously written about this in the book but you've also charted some of this in your column in the magazine so tell me about some of the responses you got to this the first article turned into the man trouble column which i wrote for two years Mm. I wrote a piece about how men are reluctant to go and see a doctor. I've spent time talking to a doctor who specialises in men's health and he describes to me when he's running his clinics, where he used to be an NHS doctor, so you have the 10-minute appointment, the woman comes in and immediately gets to the, this is what's going on, they, they do a prescription, everything's great. Mm. A man comes in and talks for nine minutes about an ingrowing toenail and then as he's backing out the door, he says, by the way, I've got a lump on my testicle. So I wrote this piece urging men to address physical health issues because hmm. that's even before you get to mental health issues which have that whole taboo attached to them. A week later, I got a letter from the wife of someone who had been really stressed as she described it. She had been nagging him to go and see a doctor for months. He had blocked that out. She left the article out for him to read. He read it, and then because the advice was coming from someone other than his wife, he booked an appointment with his GP, and she wrote to say that two weeks later he'd had life-saving heart surgery. So that was good because technically I... Matt Rudd have saved a life. But it's also ridiculous because you just think, what is going on with men that they would, you know, potentially kick the bucket rather than Mm. just going to see the GP? Was the correspondence that you received all as constructive? as the one you mentioned a moment ago. So the, someone wrote, this is the best article I've read in eight... Oh, no, sorry, not that one. That's <laughs> not right. That's not right. Uh, I just accidentally read some praise. In, no, in response to a 4,000-word article in which I bared my soul and the souls of many other men who were yes. bravely talking about their feelings <laughs> for the first time, Grandad Gus took the trouble to write in and say, keep busy, think less... A chap called David just wrote, it's called Life, get on with it. There was one brilliant note from someone who was a psychotherapist. So as he said, he'd been listening for 40 years to men struggling to find a language to speak of their vulnerability. And he wrote, we men, it often seems to me, are like a car with no spare wheel. We gad about, okay, most of the time, without pausing to dwell too much on what is going on inside or under the bonnet until we get a puncture and then we're stymied. 
the absent spare wheel. He did stretch this metaphor a little bit. The absent spare wheel is our ability to say to partner friends and doctors, I'm not okay, I'm vulnerable, scared, and I need someone to help me face my fears rather than just tell me to man up. And he described masculinity as like garlic, a little goes a long way, laid lit on at your peril. Gosh. And I'm wondering in all of this, who was who was the happiest person you found? Was it all doom and gloom? I did find the happiest man in Britain. He was in his 20s and passing all the tests that we've talked about. He was settling down with a partner. He had his mortgage and he was starting a burglar alarm installation business mm. on the South Coast. Most of his clients were quite old. That tends to be the the core customer base for burglar alarms. These old people, they would make him a cup of tea and very quickly get on to how they really wish they were his age again because they would do it all differently. They'd find their passion, etc., etc. Mm. And this unsurprisingly got to him. And so when I talked to him, he'd just spent his 30th year living in a caravan next to Loch Ness. He'd chucked it all in. He decided that his happy place was Loch Ness, where he'd gone as a child to find the Loch Ness monster. And, and he'd done it. It is quite an extreme way to live. But the way he describes the moonlight at three in the morning coming across the lock and how every weather front or every bit of wood floating across the lock that might be the monster, definitely living in the present. Now, obviously, we can't all go and live next to Loch Ness in caravans. That would really wreck Loch Ness. You'd kill the vibe. It would really kill the vibe. And also this whole idea of finding passion is really irritating. If you're in midlife, mm. you've got a lot of pressures and responsibilities and dependence. If someone goes, find your passion, it's annoying. It's an Instagram post. It's not helpful advice. But if we could take a little bit of every minute of his day and put that into our days, then I think that's a way to be happier. And is that what you've done? I have, actually. I'm quite cynical by nature. The first thing I've done is to stop believing the ridiculous stories my mind makes up for myself. And the second thing is to take time to be alone. If you're being really hippie about it, go and do a forest bath or just a little bit of meditation, all of that stuff. What it really means is just going for a nice walk in the woods every day, which I do. And at first, when I started doing that, I would go on a nice walk and use it to fret. Now I've got through the fretting and told myself, don't sweat the big stuff. I can actually almost enjoy going for a walk, which is progress. And would you describe yourself as happy now? I'm certainly a lot happier than I was. But not happy? I'm, I'm more happy than I am miserable and I'm certainly less stressed. Hmm. The things that stress people out are still present in my life. And obviously, we've had a fairly ridiculous year, which hasn't helped. Yeah. The dream's been answered, but it turns out that working from home and homeschooling three boys while your wife gallivants off to her key worker job is, is not necessarily the dream. What does she think about your situation? I think she has been very frustrated with me not talking about how I'm feeling. And then at the same time, she's also found it quite tiresome when I have started talking very extensively about how difficult 
my life as a man is. Can I put something to you which my mum said to me once in the course of conversation when discussing a a family friend, or it might have been someone on the television, the line blurs with my mum. It was a middle-aged man and she said he was going through something and she said, what gives him the right to think he should be happy? Which I was slightly taken aback by. Have you sort of wondered on that? What's the what's the right to be completely content and have all your ducks in a row and, and be enjoying life? I think if she'd said what gives him the right to complain, which is a sentiment I can definitely understand and yeah. have received many times in the last few weeks. I mean, aren't we all entitled to some happiness? Isn't that the whole point? It shouldn't really be a luxury, though. Mm. The other thing I've got in mind is that my dear departed colleague A.A. Gill once described midlife as a insecure, simpering age. So there is an, an element of neediness to everything that I've been writing about. And perhaps we should all just shut up, keep our heads down and wait until once you're over 60, everyone's much, much happier. I don't agree with that. We have this very short life anyway, and it would be quite nice after all the effort we've put into establishing ourselves and climbing up whatever ladder we've been told to climb up. We had a brief, brief moment of happiness in midlife as well. I just wonder, finally, how's how's your sleep? It is, it's better than it was. Having said that, since this book was launched two weeks ago, I've been waking up at 3.20 every morning thinking, what if this is the worst book that anyone's ever written? What if when I talk to Luke on his podcast, I forget to put my clothes on or I throw up with fear halfway through or he puts some mad quote from his mother to me halfway through and I haven't got a good answer? So that's what's going on at 3.20 in the morning. I think that's probably a a very contained thing. Once we're through all this, I'll be fine. I'll be sleeping like a baby again. Let's do this all again in 15 years' time when I'm a super happy 60-something and you're all moany. Oh, my life's so hard. I've got 19 children and my wife hisses at me in the middle of the night. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, Matt Rudd, a writer and editor for The Sunday Times. You can read more of Matt's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Asia Fuchs and Oliver Adamson. The executive producer was Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. And if you get a chance, please do leave us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Acast. And now, of course, we are on the Times Radio app, along with all the podcasts from the Times and Times Radio itself. You can listen live 24 hours a day. To download the app, just search for Times Radio on your app store. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.